0: What's going on everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Tom Westerholm. I'm joined today by Nicole Yang and Chris Grenham. And we are going to break down six takeaways from the Celtics' dramatic 103-102 to loss to the Orlando Magic. Nicole, uh, why don't you get us started with your first takeaway from tonight's game?
1: Right, So I think i will lead with the most obvious one, which was just Aaron Neesmith's performance. He had 23 points, four of eight from three-point range, eight of 16 overall from the field, four assists, three rebounds, just like a very solid stat line. This was obviously a different role for him because none of the starters were playing Jalen Brown and Al Horford were out because of COVID and then everybody else was resting. So it was a good opportunity for him to step up and he really did. Obviously the shooting numbers are important Because of the lack of shooting, we've talked about that all preseason, but also after the game, he said he was more comfortable putting the ball on the floor, not just shooting. So that's good that he's starting to expand his game. He also admitted that the game is slowing down for him, which is something that we've wondered jokingly whether that would ever happen. But obviously it would just given like the type of player he is and the amount of experience he's getting. So I think one, we're seeing like the benefit of preseason and training camp, like how much they missed by just getting thrown into the fire last season as a rookie. And two, I think we're seeing that he is living up to his potential in this current role as a rotation piece. I mean, Ime Adoka, I think, has the coach hit the nail on the head when he said Aaron Neesmith is a very good complementary piece. Like, I think he'll be just that. And I think he'll get minutes. And I'm excited to see him during the regular season.
2: His bag is expanding, it seems like, every time he's on the court, and it is really surprising me because I didn't see, when he came out of college, this happening as fast as it has. Like, he was getting into the teeth of the defense, having those quick Jalen Brown-like turnarounds a couple times tonight, and I was really, really impressed. Like, he looks really confident off the dribble. He had some nice live ball passes, too. Like, these are things that I didn't really see as part of his game this soon when the Celtics drafted him. So I think it's a great sign. I think the fact that he's developing that well, while only having one offseason so far is a really good thing, because obviously that's a disadvantage and what he has in his game right now is far beyond what I expected. So I, I think it's a, I think it's a really good sign for the Celtics. Yeah. I think
0: there were a lot of good signs with him. I think, you know, he, he also had that really quick first step where he blew right by Mo Bamba and kind of snuck the layup up under him. Like his bag is expanding dramatically. To Eme's point, yeah, I think having him as kind of a complementary player this season is really interesting and important for the Celtics. And I think I'm really curious to see where he expands from here, because the whole thing with Nismith was, OK, he he just needs to be able to be like a three and D player. Right. Like That's what we all expected of him coming out of college. And it's like, well, if he's scoring like this. I'm really interested to see what he does. There's some real positive signs offensively that he's going to be a lot more than just a three and D player. And if, if that's the case, I mean, that's real value that the Celtics got with him. And that's important.
2: Also, to add on to what Nicole said before, the fact that he looks as comfortable as he does, again, we'll see if it translates to the regular season, which it seems like it could. That shooting element is so big because this team desperately needs that. And that trickle-down effect just helps the rest of the roster. They don't need as much from Peyton Pritchard if he's producing like that from deep. They don't need to maybe hang on to a guy like Garrison Matthews if they're desperately in need of shooting. Like, there's a trickle-down effect there, and I think that would really help this particular team.
0: We'll get to Garrison Matthews. Grant, do wanted to give us uh, your first takeaway here
2: my first takeaway is revolving around the bigs but mainly rob williams rob williams was out there for a long time he was the only starter out there deeper into the game he was playing so hard in this game there was a while where i was watching i was like why is he still playing i texted you guys i was like i can't believe he is still in the game but credit to rob for being the only starter out there and playing really hard he's four or five from the field seven boards eight points and uh, we'll get to the other bigs afterward but rob was my first takeaway
1: why do you think he was still in there? Like,
0: I think sometimes coaches leave a good player in there to just kind of keep everything together. Like, if you just put five guys who aren't going to make the roster in at the same time to let them all run wild, it does nothing for anybody, right? But if you at least kind of keep that one control element that everybody else can kind of glue themselves to and be like, okay, here's the guy who actually knows what he's doing. If that's why may had him out there, that's a real positive for Rob.
2: This also felt like one of the first times we saw Rob out there, at least in a Celtics uniform, where he was like the focal point. He was the best player out there. That's rare just so far in his Celtics career that that's happened again. preseason and it's happened for various stints during summer league and stuff.
1: So he is like confirmed starting.
0: I would say he's confirmed starting the season opener.
1: But it seems like it actually is trending toward Rob potentially starting, I think, more than we thought, correct? And like, he definitely seems interested in the double big lineup and has been defending that lineup.
2: I would agree with that. Yeah. It seems like if there was a case where they didn't go double big, I would bet more on Horford maybe coming off than Rob, at least right now.
0: Before the game today, I rewatched Celtics Raptors and like Horford looks so good. Like he looks really good. I know it's preseason and he had an entire season off, but like he looks like every bit Al Horford from before. He's moving his feet. He's hitting threes.
2: It was talked about a lot, but I somehow think it was understated how important that season off was for him because he's moving so well. And I really do think it made like a massive, massive impact on him.
1: So have your thoughts changed on the double big lineup? Like, do you think that that actually is more viable or maybe a good option now?
2: I still think it it depends
0: entirely on how Al Horford shoots. Horford has not like he's, he's always been like a, a fine three point shooter for his career. He's 36.4, which is acceptable for sure. 35, 36, 35, 34 with the one season in Boston, the 42.9, just kind of in there. And then last year he shot 36.8 you in Oklahoma city. Like if he's shooting 36.8, then I do feel more comfortable with the double big lineup. Like I think that's yeah. that cutoff point where, there is enough spacing, and especially in that in that Raptors game where you kind of saw what they did with those two guys. I mean, Romeo Langford just was hanging out wide open every single possession when they were running these, like, sort of double big pick and rolls. When, when those two, it looked really clogged and then all of a sudden somebody would whip the ball across the court to a wide-open three-point shooter, and it's like, oh, I see what they were trying to do with this double-big lineup. So, yeah, I mean, I certainly have my doubts, and I think a big part of it was that I watched the double-bigs of Daniel Tice and Tristan Thompson, but the good news for the Celtics is that Both Rob Williams and Al Horford are better than both Daniel Tice and Tristan Thompson, with no offense meant to Daniel Tice. And all offense meant to Tristan Thompson, who stinks. I personally feel better about it, yes.
2: There's certainly an element of PTSD there, I think, for most Celtics-related people, because that double-big lineup was just very ugly. But you're right, it didn't have the perimeter threat that Al Horford has. And Al Horford... He's always been a solid shooter, but the point around the discussions of saying the Celtics need shooting and the Celtics lack shooting is because Al Horford isn't a guy that you're going to lean on for shooting. Outside of Tatum and Brown, they don't have any volume shooters. You know, Aaron Neesmith hopefully can be that guy. Pitt and Pritchard hopefully can help out for various stints off the bench, but Al Horford isn't a volume guy. In a double big scenario, he's great perimeter threat to have because he's that solid shooter. So that's that's great. But in the discussion of the roster lacking shooting, I don't think he's the end all be all answer because he can't provide that that volume that a lot of other guys on this roster maybe could like a smith or a pritchard
1: i think even ime odoka has picked up on the ptsd from the term double big because he even said himself he was like yeah people seem to like cringe when i say double big but like it's not that bad like we can do it like there are reasons why this might work
2: all the video guys that were left over from brad's staff are just sweating every time he says it
0: i'm, I'm surprised ime doesn't have some ptsd from the double bigs of like horford and mb just being yeah. awful Embiid Horford is also a heck of a lot better than Horford uh, Rob Williams. So we'll see, man.
2: (laughs) Yeah, the one other thing I want to get to with the bigs is the fact that Ennis Kanter, I feel like I say this every time we record now and I'm beginning to feel bad, but he's just not going to play on this team. And I think it's becoming more and more apparent. Again, you can't really read into preseason lineups all that much, but I'm definitely reading into the fact that he was playing deep into the fourth quarter in this game that is not – a good sign and it's happened a lot over the course of this preseason it's just very clear that he's not going to be in this regular rotation which I think is the right move it's just kind of awkward a little bit
1: right like why bring him back
0: why make him the first signing of free agency (laughs)
2: <laughs> maybe it's a bit maybe just to piss off Celtics fans
1: I think the team at least there are enough players that do like him Jalen yeah.
2: liked
0: him
1: yeah Jalen liked him Grant liked him
0: I gotta be honest with you guys I, there is a part of me that really thinks that Brad heard everyone talking about bringing people in to appease Jason Tatum and was like well I'm gonna do that for sure but I also really need to appease Jalen Brown to not make it look like I'm you know favoring one guy like
2: not a bad move
1: or and that's, that's the case that's maybe he's just the guy that they're gonna send to all the community events that nobody wants to really go to and like he's that guy like anytime he has to do an appearance it's Ennis and he'll happily do it
2: that's the thing he'd be pretty good at that because he is a very nice person so oh, yeah. not a bad guy to send to all the Celtics foundation events and whatever <laughs> it might be
0: Ennis Cantor is dying to get out in the community constantly and like god bless the man yeah bro. I respect it immensely truly could not be me but i <laughs> All right. So, so my, my first takeaway, I've been really impressed. You know, we, early in the preseason, we were kind of hard on Romeo Langford. after that first game where he came off the bench so late, he just looked like he wasn't going to be part of the rotation at all. And I mean, he still might not be, but I think the thing that's really impressed me about him is the way that he is starting to like kind of score, get to the rim, that kind of thing, a little bit more like the guy that he was in Indiana. And, you know, we talked about how important it is for him to get back to that because Romeo, just as a, like a three and D guy, that's probably not an NBA player, but Romeo as a guy who can shoot a little bit, defend pretty well and get to the rim and, you know, hit these kind of weird floaters that he made uh, a couple of tonight, and, you know, kind of get to the rim, absorb contact, maybe get to the free throw line some. If that's what he's doing, then all of a sudden, the little bit of three point shooting in the defense starts to become a lot more intriguing. So I've been really impressed. And I thought tonight, you know, he wasn't like incredibly efficient tonight. I think it was five for 13. Yeah. Five for 13. Oh, for three from three, which was weird. I, I thought he made two three-pointers actually. Those must've been counted two-pointers, but you know, like the, the shot isn't like perfect yet. And that's why it's important that he is able to get to the rim, that he is able to handle the ball a little bit more. And that the game does kind of feel like it's slowing down for him. I think it has, whether that's enough to, to Get him into the Celtics rotation this season remains to be seen, but I mean, some positive signs from Romeo, I feel like, so far in the preseason.
2: I think a lot of the things we're talking about here with Neesmith also apply to Romeo Langford, like him having a full offseason here and feeling just a little more comfortable, a little more confident, it seems to apply to both those guys. More so than Aaron Neesmith, Romeo Langford is still on the outside looking in in terms of rotation minutes, but the developments in his game seem pretty promising. He looks more comfortable. He's slowed down a little bit, kind of like Neesmith. His live ball passing is really good. Like He's just seen the floor better. There's a lot of things that he's been doing over the last couple games and even during summer league that we just never have seen from him in a Celtics uniform. So a lot of the time that he's had to kind of develop this offseason and stuff have helped because he hasn't had a lot of time to do that in a non-season format. So I just think it's all promising stuff, but I do still think he's kind of on the outside looking in here.
1: Yeah, I agree. And because of that, I wonder whether the Celtics will try and move him. It depends, obviously, what their plan is and what happens with Bradley Beal, Zach Levine, whatever they decide their next big move is. A lot of guys' future obviously hinges on that. However, I could see Romeo being one of those guys that maybe they try and leverage or maybe that they throw into a package just because Aaron Neesmith just seems a lot more part of the future than he does
0: yeah, I think the good thing is that when we've talked about Romeo being in other trades before, it's always been like, man, he just needs a fresh start. He needs like to be somewhere else. And now it's like, I can see the vision of how he would contribute on another team, how he could sort of build himself an NBA career. Because you're right, like there probably isn't much room in the rotation for him, which is maybe too bad because he is showing these flashes. And I mean, you know, I think the opposite could be true too. If Aaron Neesmith starts to really show out this season, maybe he builds some actual trade value. This is a guy that, you know, that other teams want and that we can actually include in some of these trade talks. And then maybe Romeo is the guy who, you know, kind of fills in behind him. I think the showcase thing works in either instance it's just obviously, you know, the Celtics would probably like Aaron Neesmith's skill set is a little bit more easily translated into the NBA. So I think he's going to be the guy the Celtics want to keep. But for that same reason, he also could be the guy that, that uh, other teams want and kind of builds up those packages.
2: Yeah. The development for both of them is certainly multifaceted in terms of the benefits that it brings to the Celtics, because, you know, it's not what people want to hear when a guy starts playing well that he could get shipped off. But from a front office perspective, that is certainly a benefit always have to shout out our friends over at the Shades On Beer Company. They're the makers of the Geno Time Stout. Plenty of other delicious products too. We're just biased toward the Geno Time Stout, but they have plenty of other awesome products. So if you're in the Boston area, if you're in Rhode Island, really anywhere in New England, keep an eye out for Shades On Beer Company products. And if you're a Celtics fan in Rhode Island, they have their Beer Garden and Tasting Room in West Kingston. So we highly recommend that. Keep an eye out for all Shades On Beer Company products. A couple past episodes, we listed off some of the places where the Geno time stout is being sold i don't have the list directly in front of me but you can go back and check those out so keep an eye out for the Geno time stout
0: all right nicole uh what do you have for your second takeaway
1: my second takeaway is based a lot on what ime udoka has been saying not so much on what we've seen maybe like a little bit based on the play on the court but I think Ime Udoka is like hinting, maybe this is all a decoy, that the 15th roster spot, a little bit more short up than we originally thought. So the last time we talked about this as a podcast, I think the consensus was Garrison Matthews. However, I think Ime Udoka is fond of Jabari Parker. After the game today, he said, we know what we have in Jabari. And then he grouped him in with other veterans like Al Horford. And I just think we know what we have in Jabari. I didn't know, like, he called him a spark plug off the bench. He said he gave him instant offense off the bench. And I just think it seems to be trending that Jabari Parker might be making this team.
0: It would be categorically insane To keep Jabari Parker on this team, I'm sorry. Like, okay, it's it's nice and all. that Jabari made two three pointers in a preseason game, and it's nice and all that he's got. Like a, I don't know what else does he have. Like I like I'm not I'm I'm I'm, I'm not trying to be a jerk here. It's just like when you look at what Garrison Matthews can do, it is so. Easily translatable. I would, if I were looking for a 15th man, I would just like the guy who I know can do NBA things in like the modern NBA. So just give me the shooter. Like it's not hard.
2: I could not agree with Tom Moore. Jabari Parker has like a nice game tonight, right? And people are like, ah, he's like a a shoe in for that 15th spot. And then Emilio has comments like that. But Jabari Parker isn't going to play 15 minutes a night. He isn't going to play 20 minutes a night. When he plays four minute stints off the bench, he stinks. He's not good. Like, he's just not good in that setting. And again, like, I don't think Jabari Parker's a bad basketball player. I just, A, don't think his skill set makes any sense on this roster. And B, I don't think he can provide anything in that short minute role because he hasn't shown the ability to do that ever. If I'm the Celtics front office, I'm looking, like you said, maybe it's not Garrison Matthews, but a guy who has a skill set that is a little more formidable at the end of the bench because I just don't think the Celtics need what Jabari Parker brings. And frankly, in that short minute role, which he's going to be in if he does make the roster, he hasn't shown the ability to thrive in that at all. Like he plays better when you give him more minutes and he's just not going to get those on this team.
0: Like I just don't see the scenario in which Jabari Parker plays, even if he plays 15 minutes, Like, that means that something went really wrong. Whereas, like, if Garrison Matthews comes in and plays 15 minutes, it's like, okay, maybe the Celtics needed some shooting. The things that Jabari brings just aren't something that you need for 15 minutes a game from Jabari Parker.
1: Maybe Ime Udoka's just gassing him up before it's the end of his tenure here. Or maybe Ime Udoka's gassing him up because he knows he isn't the one making the decision. And it's Brad Stevens that's going to have to be the bad cop. So maybe it's good cop, bad cop here. But yeah, I don't know. It's it just like he was very complimentary of Jabari here.
2: No, I, I I totally agree with you. One thing is, though, Brad Stevens loves vets. Maybe he wants to keep him around at the end. Like there's always that little wrinkle.
1: Uh,
0: So here's the, here's the full quote. Jabari is obviously a veteran who's been around for a long time. I say this with a lot of guys like Al, Josh, Dennis, whoever it may be. We know what we have with Jabari. He's a spark plug that comes off the bench, plays multiple positions, defends multiple positions, which... Okay. A guy that we feel on a night like tonight with some guys sitting out can provide instant offense. And he did that, had some plays I'm sure he wanted back where he got good looks in the first half, even late toward the end, but he gets quality shots. and is just a spark plug off the bench. The guy has been around and done it.
2: He's a real spark plug in the second half.
0: <laughs> I've been around and done what? <laughs> like, I need to stop ripping on Jabari because I, I don't have anything against Jabari Parker. I just, I, I just do not see the vision.
1: So officially has your position changed? Like, obviously we all think it should be Garrison Matthews. Do you think it still will be or is that just too difficult to predict? Let's
0: not let ourselves off the hook. Let's make some predictions here. I think... It will be Garrison Matthews still, but I'm much less confident than I was before.
2: It is concerning how little Garrison Matthews has played this preseason. That worries me. So that is the one reason why I would be leaning off of my take. That being said, Jabari Parker, I still, like, I can't get off that hill. I still don't think he makes sense on this roster. So I'm going to go with Garrison Matthews, but it's worrisome because he has not played a lot.
1: I will say on the broadcast, like they did show Ime and Garrison like walking into the locker room together. It seemed like Mm -hmm. they were having like a nice little chat. I mean, I don't know if that was just happened to be they were the two people closest to the tunnel entrance. And that's it seemed like it was a, more intentional, though. So
0: they were having like a real chat. Yeah, it yes. was, it was, you know, like, you don't really see a coach talking to a player like, like, at first, I was like, Oh, is he yelling at Garrison Matthews? Just because like, you don't usually like before a guy exits like that, usually they just wait till they get to the locker room. But he may have something to say to Garrison Matthews that could not wait.
2: I also want to compliment myself because I, I had there was an element of self doubt over the last week or so i was listening back to one of our episodes when they brought in archie diacno and garrison matthews one of the first two things i said about garrison matthews was like he gets a lot of four-point plays and when i listened back to that i was like what a dumbass like why would that be the first thing i said and tonight he got a four-point play so damn he right tried a, he tried to get another yeah and it did not work
0: <laughs> it didn't go well at all <laughs>
1: But so I don't know if the conversation was good, bad, like obviously we can't tell, but they did have a chat. So it's hard to say. The problem is too, is in addition to what Gronin was saying about how much he's played, Garrison Matthews does sort of make more sense as a two-way player, and then they can just bring him up. Like they might be able to have the best of both worlds here because two-way players can now play sort of unlimited number of NBA games.
2: Also, Theo Pinson still has some two-way eligibility. He looked pretty good today. And I think he's really fun.
0: A little move and then kind of adjusting in midair to draw the foul in the last play. It was real nice.
2: He actually impressed me quite a bit tonight. Yeah. Also, I don't know how much like it's a two-way spot. So it's probably not a major factor because he's not always going to be with the team. But he's a good locker room guy to have around. Like I do think front offices at the way end of the roster have to consider that like a little bit.
0: Well, I mean, on that note, Gretham, why don't you uh, give us your, your second takeaway, which I believe concerns the other two-way guy.
2: Yeah, Sam Houser is good. And I doubted him quite a bit when they signed him to the two-way deal on draft night. So it seems that I was wrong initially. And I, again, I don't want to overreact, but from summer league and what we've seen so far, it does seem like he's like an NBA level shooter. His high release is really pretty sharp and he's really good at shooting with defenders in real close proximity to him, which is not something I really noticed over the course of his tenure at UVA. So that's pretty impressive. And I think he's actually going to be a pretty solid asset to a team that doesn't have a lot of shooting.
0: I agree. I think there's a very legitimate chance that he's a multi-year NBA player.
2: The way Brad Stevens has also talked about approaching this two-way slot in the end of the roster, for whatever reason, I really do think that we could get a new name thrown in here at some point. Whether someone is waived from another camp, I don't know why. I just feel like at some point there might be a wild card tossed in here that could fill that second two-way slot. I don't know... I have a hard time seeing someone getting thrown in that could compete for the 15th spot, but I just think there's going to be another name tossed in at some point. I could see that for sure.
0: All right, so my last takeaway is kind of a more overarching one. It just kind of regards Peyton Pritchard, who incidentally apparently broke his nose. <laughs> like He may just kind of flicks that one in there like, oh, by the way, broken nose. So Peyton Pritchard- well, At
1: least he told us.
0: So much better than Brad Stevens. So yeah, Grant Williams, Romeo Langford, Peyton Pritchard, and Aaron Niesmith, And just kind of over the last couple of years, I mean, we've been kind of hard on, on those guys, right? Like, you know, especially, you know, the 2019 draft. I mean, we've talked about how we thought that Danny swung and missed pretty badly. And I think it's really interesting to watch these guys now, you know, Romeo is, is kind of doing his thing. He he looks a little bit more like the Romeo Langford that we expected to see grant, you know, that however much weight he's dropped, he looks great. He's moving really well. If he's able to hit three-pointers at a decent clip, like all of a sudden he's this really interesting player. Aaron Neesmith, we talked about. Peyton Pritchard, we've talked about at length. But I mean, the stuff that he's doing is pretty intriguing. Like when he's hitting mid-range jumpers, that's like a third level of scoring that is real interesting. And I guess the thing that interests me about that crew is it's like, what if all those guys are actually just pretty good like what if they can all contribute to an NBA team I, I don't know about you guys I had kind of written them off for this season I was just kind of like I don't see them as contributors I was just kind of like okay the Celtics brought in Josh Richardson they brought in Dennis Schroeder those guys are just going to kind of be exactly what they were last season but I think all of those guys look like they've taken pretty significant steps forward and I don't know what that does for the Celtics because it makes their rotation kind of complicated but it's a really positive sign that all four of those guys look like they could be real NBA players possibly possibly as soon as this year.
1: So I agree with you to an extent. I still separate Aaron Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard away from Grant Williams and Romeo Langford, And I think that's true for both how we've talked about them and their future with the Celtics. I think Aaron Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard will play a role this season and will get minutes. And I think we've sort of been talking about them as if that were the case. And I think the two of them round out the Celtics nine-man rotation, I believe it would be at that point. I think it's good that... Romeo and Grant have trended in the right direction. Obviously, they're the only two left from that 2019 class. But I just don't see the minutes in important moments because of all of the acquisitions and the changes. I see them more as what we were talking about earlier with Romeo, like either trade pieces or just like extra depth, which is great because depth has always been an issue. And I'm sure the Celtics will have injuries or COVID absences. I mean, they've gotten too. Two COVID absences out of the way already, and during the preseason, as Emi Odoka noted, as kind of a silver lining. But like, it's great that they're even that deep because obviously depth has always been an issue in the past. But I wouldn't group all four of those players together. I definitely see like a division with Peyton and Aaron on one side, and Grant and Romeo on the other.
0: I think I agree, but I will say, I mean, Grant looks better than I like, not just better than I expected, but like just really quite a bit better like he's his, his I I think his IQ is really starting to sh- come through and I'm curious like how that ends up affecting things I mean he had three steals tonight almost all of which were just a result of like reads and positioning like he knew exactly where to be and we've talked about how hard he's worked on like defense and positioning and that kind of thing and I, you know now he's skinny now he can actually move like I think that matters and you know I think the same thing yeah he he, I think he had four assists too and it's like I'm curious to see like that that was one of the things with him right like people talked about how he can just make things flow a little bit easier around him now largely I, I think you know kind of in the overarching point I agree with you because it's like how much is Grant going to play and have the ball in his hands enough for the offense to flow through him. That's a perfect, that's a 100% valid point. But I think those young guys are going to break in in ways that we didn't necessarily see coming.
1: I also, and fair or not, I would be more concerned about the level of competition ramping up and how that affects Grant and Romeo more so than I would be concerned about the level of competition affecting Peyton and Aaron.
2: I definitely agree with the tiers. Like I put Neesmith and Pritchard in a separate tier than Romeo and Grant. That being said, Romeo and Grant are much further along than I I thought they'd be, if that makes sense. Like you said, Grant looks good. I think we're getting to a point where Grant actually looks like a decent three point shooter. He just looks a little more confident there. So I think that's a huge development. I just think that they're further along than I thought, but I still don't know where they land on this roster. And I don't see them making any significant contributions. Like, Grant, he's just kind of stuck behind a logjam. I don't know where he gets in. And also, Neesmith and Pritchard bring about a pretty serious need to this roster, and I don't necessarily think Romeo or Grant do And I don't really think Romeo still at this point knows his role on an NBA team. He was a defensive specialist when he first started getting significant minutes. I don't really know what his role is, and I don't know if he knows. So I just think there's a lot of uncertainty around Grant and Romeo still, even though their floor is a lot higher at this point than I thought it once was.
0: All of these are very valid, fair points, and you guys could be 100% right here. I don't know. There's, there's something about the way that, like, Grant and Romeo have been used this preseason that makes me think that you may see something there, that he, he's going to want to try some things out. They look good, and I, I, I'm interested to see what happens with that.
2: In a switch-everything system, if Grant can, in fact, defend down, which he couldn't do in the past, like, that is a huge plus. Granted, this team... positions. This team... This team doesn't need much more defensive versatility than it has, but if you're switching everything like Emuoka has indicated that they might try to do here, I think that element of Grant's game is really big, especially if you know guys get hurt, which is inevitable. So I think that's where he could really become a, a key factor as a depth piece who can fit right into that switching system.
1: In reality, it's a combination of both of our takes here that are right. Like, I don't think Grant and Romeo are a part of the nine, like Aaron and Peyton are, but they're definitely a part of the 12. Like, when we talk about the numbers that Ime feels comfortable with and sort of how he grouped the team, so... I think they're just on that regular season rotation where they want to get more run and they don't want to overuse their guys. And then the second it gets to playoff basketball or meaningful games, they're probably going to find themselves on the outside looking in, which, again, is not a bad situation. Like the things we talked about last year, Grant and Romeo were not ready for the role that they had on the inside. So I think this will work out better for both parties, the individual and the team.
2: Yeah. Man, Grant Williams brings so much more to the back end of a roster than Jabari Parker does. It's not even, and again, I don't like piling on, but it's true. Like, Think about what he brings to this roster. Jabari Parker just, I don't know.
0: All right, guys. Well, we're going to leave it there because Grenham is currently listening to Kyrie Irving on Instagram Live and we all want to go roll our eyes at it. So we will uh, call it a pod. As always, we appreciate everybody who listens. We appreciate everybody who's left us a rating or a review. Please feel free to get in contact with us if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. You know where to find us. We will talk to you all again later this week.